Yes, coming in hot with episode 46 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean and I'm joined by a man whose house got raided along with the rest of the Barca executive jobber. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Fully cooperative, as you would expect. Um, Tough night's sleep, I would imagine. Mm. <laughs> I actually slept right through the raid. Um, <laughs> nothing to find. They, just, they found a couple of shakers that should have been cleaned out some time ago from my weight. Oh, they're the worst. Yeah, some yeah. protein at the bottom, so they got rid of them pretty quick. No, look, I'm great. Buzzing after That's- a weekend of football. How about you? Yeah, mate. Yep, all good here. Um, looking forward to the midweek fixtures as well. They sort of crept up on us and some weird Friday night fixtures. But let's get into the flavor of the pod. So we first start, we've got Barca Gate, match day 26 in the Prem, brought to you by Amex, of course. Um, and then we've got some midweek preview stuff. Um, and then we've got to check in with Roger and see how he goes on that multi. But uh, let's crack in with the opening question. Yeah, Roger slipped hard, but you're right. Let's get into it. So let me set a scene for you. It's June, you're in England, Yep. England, Scotland, Wales have all qualified for the Euros, Yep. Scott McTominay is leading the Scots out, Gareth Bale's flying down the wing for Wales, and Jack Grealish is captain in England. So that's the scene, right? So Boris Johnson has offered to host Euro 2020, and people are not happy with it. Um, Boris made that offer after 123,000 people have died uh, from COVID-19. But the question for this week is a pretty simple one. Can the UK host the Euro? So we're talking England, we're talking Scotland, we're talking Wales, we're talking the whole thing. Can they do it? And does that make Scotland the favourites? Um, yeah, chat, mm, I, might, <laughs> I might go in reverse order. So Scotland are definitely not the favourites, whether that is in their own backyard um, or abroad. But I think they probably can. I know you probably disagree with me, but I think they can. The infrastructure is already there for a football tournament. You can crack straight into it. Things might look a little bit different in June, July um, over in the UK. And I think it beats the idea of um, initially the games are sort of travelling around the whole of Europe. Obviously, I don't think you can do that um, at the moment. So I think it's best if it's sort of in one location. And uh, why not the home of football? Yeah, there's a few dead over there, but, I mean, there's a few dead everywhere. So I just don't see why this wouldn't be the best option for them, um, especially, as I said, their infrastructure. They can just pick up a tawny, no, no problem at all. What do you think? Yeah, so, look, I think I think all the points you make are valid, and I think it does um, beat the concept of sort of travelling around. Cause this was going to be the first travelling Euros, which personally I don't like anyway. I love what? that festival I feel. Yeah, I agree. I wasn't a fan of that either. I, no. I don't know why they had that thought. And it I mean. sounds like neither is Boris. Um, and obviously Boris is a man with wisdom beyond his years. But they definitely can, and it does seem like a sensible solution. The only thing I would query is the population density of the UK. So that, obviously, with that and fans coming back into the stadium, I think on the twenty no, the 17th of May with the last game on the 23rd would be a good test. Um, but then there's a raft of things that have to go through, like, you know, do you have to have a vaccine to attend, et cetera. But it makes sense, and I think it's good that Boris is chucking it up in the air. Um, why not? Is this one of those – does this fit with the phrase football is coming home, or is that only applied to the World Cup slash Jules Ramey trophy? Um, no, I think it fits the phrase, especially if you're Welsh. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the way Gareth played on the weekend, mate, they might, they might be England's biggest threat. And you wrote him off. Oh, all right, let's get into it. So this week, the other big talking point is Barcagate. So talk me through this. Yeah, a bit of a weird one. So as we said off the top, um, the executive officers at um, Barcelona got raided overnight. Four arrested in what they're calling Barcagate um, for some... Economic irregularities. <laughs> irregularities, yes, but close. And, um, yeah, so four arrested. A few people sort of pointing to the f- fact that, uh, was it six months ago, um, Barcelona apparently paid a million euros to a marketing company to run a smear campaign on Manchester United reject PK mm. and um, Lionel Messi. So what is that illegal? Like, because obviously now I've got some problems um, for smear campaigns I've run in the past. (laughs) Well, I don't think that's illegal, but I think um, obviously the commentary out of the the police station there and um, Barcelona is pretty generic 
messages. So I think the press have sort of interpreted that that is um that is part of it. But as you say, I don't that doesn't sound illegal to me. So um I'm not sure what's going on there. But I mean they have, must have something if they're arresting people. Yeah, so um, watch that space. And I'd like to apologise in advance to Jordan Pickford. Um, <laughs> I've slammed him in the past. Um, look, Pep Guardiola has said that he will axe players who think the Premier League is one. Do you agree with Pep? Or, like, I feel like a lot of those City players could probably start believing. Yeah, I think publicly um, he'll have to do something. But there's no doubt inside that group chat that they've um, they've started singing um, songs and Throwing some memes in there, so yeah, yeah. I reckon there'd be some I Bruno Fernandez jokes in there that I wouldn't like. It'd just be Pep just being a seed, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, he's a boring bastard. All right, so um, and it, it's interesting the city top of the league now because um, there's no fans in the stadium, so look, they won't even notice the difference if they win it. Um, so Roy Keane's now on Instagram, and he's also he's also firing barbs at um, Jamie Redknapp this week. Oh yeah, he was a bit fiery, wasn't he? So oh, firstly he's on demon. firstly on Insta, he's got a nice little um, bike ride um, picture. So <laughs> I really enjoyed that. But yeah, he wasn't happy with Jamie, wasn't he? So what he was saying was that um, Spurs are an average team, and just and Jamie was sort of saying, "Oh, they're full of internationals." And Roy's like, "Oh, if you can control the ball these days, you play international football." <laughs> so he yeah, was, I, he was steaming, Roy. I, I was happy that he was steaming and obviously um, made for good viewing, but I probably agree with um, Jamie on that. That I sort Roy was sort of saying that no one from Spurs would get into, um, you know, Chelsea's team or Man U's team or Man City's team, which I, I don't really agree with. I don't think. No, and um, I was hoping there'd be more of that on Roy's Instagram, but right now it's just boring. It just reminds you he's old. I like it. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> um, I Roy's timeless in my eyes. Um, and the last one is the Chinese Super League is in all sorts of trouble. Have you seen this this week? So one of the te- the champions folded effective immediately. Is that right? Yep. So the champions, I think it's Jiangsu, um, folded this week just out of nowhere. Their um, owners are also the owners of Inter Milan. Um, so the wider effects of this might still be felt throughout the world. like It's not just an isolated incident, but apparently there could be a couple other teams to follow this week. So that could mean one of your favourites, Marwan Fellaini, could be back in the Premier League. That's exciting, isn't it? I'll tell you who needs him, me and you. Let's lump some longer balls up there and bring back the glory days of Moisey. I don't think the balls have been long enough lately. You could put that argument out for the weekend, but that's this week's happenings. But we will keep an eye on those Barca Gate and the Chinese Super League because they could have massive ramifications for the world. But let's get into the EPL review brought to you by Amex this week. So thanks to everyone at Amex again. Good on you, Amex. A couple of links in the um, show notes for everyone too. All right. So first we start off with we're going to go backwards this week. So Everton 1, Southampton nil. What'd you make of this one? Is this just basically what you expected, or Everton doing the unexpected by doing what is expected of them? It's <laughs> mm, a double negative there that's spinning me out of it. But <laughs> I, I had, um, yeah, I had Everton winning this, and and they did get it done at home, which is a bit unusual for them because their home form has been absolute trash. But um, yeah, they, they just did enough, and I think on reflection of the whole game, they were, they were probably good enough and deserved the the points as well. Like. Obviously, they, they got their goal. Um, Richarlison got that goal. And then they had a couple of like, close calls with offsides and stuff like that as well. I think they got two disliked goals or, or one disliked goal and one they hit the post on. So, yeah, no real surprise for me. The The warning signs are more on the other side, I think. Like Southampton, like you hate to go back to that 9-0 beating, but ever since then, they, they have been absolutely rubbish. Yeah. Yeah, they're struggling, aren't they? They really are struggling. They're, if they don't... Like sort of pick their socks up soon, they're going to find themselves in a relegation battle. What what does this mean for Ralph? I think what do you do if you're on the Southampton board? You get you, you get battered nine nil again, um, which yeah, I mean doesn't look great, especially when you've had one in the past in the recent past. And then after that, you go on a um, six game um, winless streak. What do you do if you're um, on the board of? You've, you've got to be thinking about like I, I, it's hard because there's multiple things at play there. So they did have a pretty bad run of injuries as well around that period. Um, but I think you have to have a at the end of the year. I think you have to have a good hard look at whether he's the person to get you going forward because they started promising this year. They showed some promise last year, but now they've just seemed to have gone completely backwards and they seem very fragile. 
Like yeah, and, well, the confidence, right? Like yeah. if you get battered nine nil, your confidence is going to go. Yeah. Yeah, and that's your job as the manager to to get that back. Um, and he seems to just not be able to arrest this slide right now. And they're too good yeah. to be where they are. Like they should be doing better. Oh, I don't know. Well, well how much higher can they really go realistically with that squad? Yeah, just Ward-Prowse's to... free kicks. So a couple of interesting Four. things back onto the game for one second. So um, Gilfie Sigurdsson's first touch for the Richarlison goal. Did you see that? Yeah, nice run. Oh, shit. Um, he put that to sleep and then slid him in. And I thought Everton, like at that point, I was like, shit, they're going to go on with it here. And then they had the keen disallowed goal for offside. Um, that was really disappointing defending from Southampton. Yeah, was it um, – who was at the back – Back stick there. I think Godfrey. it's Michael Keane and I know it was Godfrey and Calvert Lewin were both free at the back stick. Yeah, but I so think Godfrey nodded it back and Keane got the got yeah. the goal. I think. Yeah, but um, yeah, he he bought um Carlo bought uh, Allen back. Um, he he took him out of the squad, or, or I think there was a little bit of an injury call out for the um Merseyside derby, and he took Dominic Calvert Lewin out of the team too. But both of those returned. Yeah, so I think Everton were the better team, but um, towards the end there, Southampton did have chances, so Gineppo should have equalised. And then um, Vestergaard missed. It was a great save from Jordan Pickford. Um, I know you've criticised him quite heavily on the show, but he stood up when he needed to. Yeah, that's true. I have criticised him quite harshly on the show, but, I mean, you've criticised him on social media. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, who's the bigger man? Yeah, but great save. So Everton up to seventh position, stay level with Liverpool with the game in hand. The Saints... They're down to 14th on 30 points, just seven points above Fulham, who are coming home kind of strong, not really strong, but stronger than you'd expect. Yeah. I'm not sure if they're in danger of going down. Obviously, the form keeps going the way they're going, but they are the worst form team in the league at the moment, and they are sinking like a stone. So, yeah, they need to do something to um, stop the slide. Yeah, they've got a couple of days rest and they've got the league punching bag in Sheffield United on the weekend. So potentially potentially that could be like a nice little nice little shot in the arm for a bit. Oh there, they, goes all, there goes all of our Sheffield United fans. Oh yeah. <laughs> league punching bag. Um yeah, but if they can win that, you know, it might be it might be a little bit better and they can get level with Crystal Palace. Um uh, but yeah, yeah, tough one. Speaking so of the league punching bag. <laughs> that's, that's really unleashed on me. So Liverpool two, Sheffield United nil. Sheffield United should have taken the lead inside five minutes in this game. Oh, McGoldrick. A tough, a tough one to, to swallow if you're um, neutral. Everyone enjoys um, Liverpool slipping up. But, yeah, I think after after that chance um, slipped by, I think, yeah, from then on, Liverpool sort of grabbed control of the game, um, pretty much dominated from, from there on in. 60% possession um, and, and really ran things. When Oldham captain, which I thought was a bit interesting, mm. um, and it, just what Liverpool needed, I think, for their confidence to run into <laughs> the league punching bag, Sheffield United, and and uh, yeah, get get the points. Yeah, so Liverpool ended their four game losing streak. Um, I think the as you said, but this scoreline doesn't tell a story. So I have it written down here because I was watching the game was it yesterday, um, and I was just writing notes on a piece of paper. But I think they could have been five up by halftime. Um, really. Mino should have had him in the lead, and then I think there was another chance for Mo Salah. Like they, they were creating chances. One Aldum had a good effort and all that. Like they, they were absolutely all over him. And Sheffield United was so lucky to be in it. Like there was a combination of Liverpool's um, not taking their chances, and Aaron Ramsdale had a really good game too for Sheffield United. Um, yeah, Curtis Jones got the goal just after half time for Liverpool, and then an own goal in the 65th minute as well. Um, probably sunk them really, and. I wanted to see Sheffield United sort of come out and be a bit braver after going 2-0 down, like you can really go for it. But I oh know they seemed just a bit passive in that in that game. Um, Adrian started for Allison because um, his father passed away, so he's having some time off there. Have you heard the story of how Allison's father died? Oh, I just understood that um, he couldn't get over for the funeral, yeah. yeah I, th- I think there's something to that. I think he might have drowned or something. So that's pretty brutal. Yeah, so apparently it's had a real impact on Alison. So obviously that's no good to hear. And um, but yeah, so back to the football. So Sheffield United, but so that's their twenty-first Premier League defeat of the season. The first side since Newport County in the first in the fourth division to lose as many as twenty-one of their first twenty-six matches in the English Football League season. Are they the worst team in Premier League history? I think I said a couple of weeks ago. I don't 
think they are statistically. I think they've gone above that famous Derby County side that only just got the, just the eye test though. Just the eye test. No, that Derby team was so shit. <laughs> and there was also, I think I've read reference to a Sunderland team a couple of years back too that were absolutely woeful. I don't think Sheffield United are as bad as those two teams from my personal memory. Like um, statistically, I think they're as bad as that Derby team right now because that Derby team only got 11 points. Yeah. So Liverpool moved to sixth, um, one point behind Chelsea. So closing that gap with um, Chelsea dropping points, which we will get to. We'll get to it right now. So Chelsea nil, Manchester United nil. What was the highlight? Oh, there wasn't really any highlights. Um, what did you make of this game? <laughs> I was a bit disappointed. Like the match of the week, um, you get excited for, and it's a nil nil, and not a lot going on either. Like in terms of chances, do you think? It wasn't even just the fact that it was nil nil. Like you can have an exciting. Edgiest 6-0-0. It just looked like two teams that were so afraid of playing any sort of football. Like Manchester United worse, but Chelsea were as well. Um, Mm. I think Chelsea had, you know, sort of three or four half chances in the first half. Um, But Manchester United were just dreadful. So boring and, like, so scared. Uh, Yeah, you know the game was a bit flat when uh, Luke Shaw wins man of the match. Again. But I think I think um, the talking point of this game is obviously Callum Hudson Odoi's handball. So obviously a Manchester United penalty is going to come out of this, and I am I'm intrigued as a neutral because I'm obviously feel very strongly about this. Was that a penalty? No. Oh bullshit! No, take your glasses off. Mate. I'm sick of it. He's almost. <laughs> what's his arm doing up there? Like he he's just. Right, well, what's Luke Shaw's doing up right next to it? Oh, it's not touching just... the ball. That's what it's not doing. <laughs> Hudson Odoi just taps it I've seen much worse calls given the handball than that. So right, but I think they've they've softened the rules on some of those daft decisions that we were seeing where, you know, I'd blast the ball into you from a yard out and um and a penalty penalty will be given or, you know, we're going up for a header and I headed into you from at like less than thirty centimeters away. Like those handballs aren't there anymore. So I think given the new new world I don't think that was a handball. Um, and it went to VAR and all the rest of it, and they concurred. So, Yeah, but that's, that almost tells me it is a penalty if it went to VAR and they said, like, it should be the opposite. They seemed to never get anything right. It was, it was, I thought it was an absolute stonewall pen, um, and I was absolutely devastated because that was Manchester United's best chance by far to score. Um, Do you think – What I thought um, Mason Greenwood had a good chance as well that I thought he was just – he went to hit a little bit hard. I think if he took a little bit off that, he could have could have scored. That one on his on his left foot late on. Yeah, he leant back on it definitely. But, um, Didn't he? Yeah, I think, I think on the balance, Chelsea were the better side. Um, Giroud came close to scoring a couple of occasions and then Victor Lindelof with a really good interception at the end there. But, yeah, really disappointing game from both sides. And I think if you're – of the two sides, you're happier with the point if you're Manchester United. Do you agree? Uh, probably because I think um, Chelsea probably bossed the possession and, and I was going to say not even really the line – Share of chances though, but yeah, they sort of controlled the game a little bit better. But yeah, probably a better point for Manchester United in the context of they're in the top four, so that they've sort of got something to defend. Yeah. Um, whereas Chelsea need to make up ground, so yeah, they're probably in a better, slightly better position. Um, ben Chilwell coming to the team for um, for Chelsea, which was interesting because he seems to Tuchel seemed to have a, a really um, like really strong. Affiliation with uh, Alonso, he seemed to be picking him all the time. So I thought that was interesting. Hudson Adoy comes off at halftime. Um, again, getting the hook rather early. For Apparently he hurt time. his hand, so um, had to come off. Yeah, right. Um, so the other talking point was post-game. So Luke Shaw said that the referee told him that he wouldn't give the penalty because he didn't want to stand the reaction. So do you reckon no, Luke Shaw was, was looking, at, look, looking at a couple of weeks off? No, what happened was um, Harry, He said so that apparently the ref said that to Harry. Then Harry told Luke Shaw and then Luke Shaw got on camera and then said it. And then Harry has since come out and said, no, Luke has misheard. That's not what I actually said. Mm, normally Chinese whispers are reliable. So I don't know mm. what's going on. But I reckon Luke Shaw could get a ban for that. Oh, I think so too, which I think his boy Harry was covering for him there. Yeah. Typical Harry sticking up for these loved ones. Um, we yeah, all he's a great the- leader, isn't he? Especially when he's out in, um, where was he? Greece. <laughs> uh, Greece, yeah. Um, so, look, so Manchester United 
stay in second, one point above Leicester City. Chelsea in fifth, but obviously on a quite a good run now. One point behind West Ham. I think they'll sneak in the top four. But they have Liverpool next. So if you can't get excited, if they disappointed you last week, they've got a quick chance to make up for it. Yeah, this is big. Um, this is a big game for not only those two teams, but it's a big game for West Ham and Leicester City, but we'll get to that. All right. So Tottenham for Burnley, nil. What do you want to talk about in this one? I think there's one. Whoa. He's back. What a performance. Performance of the week. So Gareth Bale turns up against Burnley and everyone gets excited. No, he's been doing it, to be fair, for a couple of weeks now. You could see his form getting better and better, and I admit he was um, beating up on some uh, weaker teams out of um, Eastern Europe. But, yeah, I think he's clear that, um, yeah, his body sort of – he's got some confidence in his body now, and, yeah, his skill's just shining through. But I think this is probably Spurs' best performance of the year. I think that, like, they were exciting. They were on the front foot. Um, an attacking lineup, which is nice to see from um, Jose – He's gone um, with sort of three up top, which is nice, considering um, they're at home to Burnley and he chose an attacking team and we're applauding that. But, I mean, you've, you've got to, don't you? You've got to encourage Jose to um, play them t- all together um, more often. Yeah. And if you're, if you're Tottenham coming in, like your confidence has taken a bit of a hit, your run hasn't been great lately, and the Burnley defence doesn't turn up till sort of three or four minutes into the game. Um, I think that's a really pleasing sign. So for the first goal there, ball comes across and Gareth Bale is like completely unmarked front stick just to get to toe on it. And there's no one anywhere near him. And that, that was just the uh, shot of confidence Gareth needed to go on with it, didn't he? Yeah. I don't know what Tarkovsky and Ben Mee are doing, but they're not marking. No, very disappointing there. So then the moment, the moment of the game for me came shortly after. So... Did you see Gareth strike that long ball to Harry Kane for goal number two? I reckon all Spurs fans at once were on the edge of their seats applauding at this point. It's just nice. As I said, it's just nice to see Sonny, um, Bale and Harry all in the field at the same time. But, yeah, nice ball. Nice and deep too in his half and he just looked up, sprayed it over the top. I'm not sure what the defender was doing there. He's gone – he sort of just kept tracking back, I think, and kept um, Harry on his – Goal side, but then the the finish, Harry sort of chopped in on his right and got a lucky deflection. And could Nick Pope have done a bit better, considering that was deflected and was coming to him in the end rather slow? Yeah, I think the deflection probably gives Pope the benefit of the doubt there. It was a bit of a tricky one, but um, but it was yeah, so slow. It still, it still went in so slow. Yeah. yeah, but I think the the highlight there is just that ball from Bale to Kane that just absolutely salivated. And then Lucas Moira tucks in and gets himself one as well. Uh, yeah, good for trucks. him, not good for Dali Alley, I think. <laughs> Tell you who. But then the Spurs were not done, second half. This was a Bale classic, wasn't it? Cuts in onto that left and just guides at home. So he's got so much room out on the right. They play it out on the right, and then obviously the natural thing to be would take it on your right and then blast it across the keeper, low and hard. But no, he's taking it inside, and I'm like, oh, what's he going inside? Oh, decent finish, pal, decent finish. Yeah. But, um, yeah, when he tucked it in, when he took a first touch inside, I thought, geez, wasted this chance, but what a finish. Yeah, so um, Bale gets the hook after that just to get his own sort of applause in. But oh, man, he got another this, 15 minutes in. Yeah, I know, but is this the is this the impetus for Bale to go on with it? Is it like, is this what everyone kind of deep down wanted to see? Yes. I think as soon as he signed for the club, everyone was like, great, we'll start um, Harry through the middle and Son and Bale on either side. How good is this going to be? And it's taken, what, 26 games to get it in and get it done. But I think it was more dependent on Bale's body. But he looks fit enough now and that if he doesn't keep his spot in the team, I don't know what will keep his spot in the team. Just a matter of whether Jose's brave enough to play all three of them because they all are rather attacking. So, yeah, I think it's something for Spurs fans to, to look forward to. And you may as well go for it now if you're Jose, right? If, if you need, if you want to get in that top four, um, you need to play this type of football, which um, seemed to suit them much, much better. And the players just seem more confident with him. But, yeah, as you say, he, he got the hook at 70, but that's probably enough to, you know, damage was done. You tuck him away and look after his body and, yeah, can look so forward. Spurs, but, yeah, Spurs win. up to eighth, six points behind West Ham in fourth. 12 games to go. Can they do it? I th- get in the top think, four. Or yeah, is the Europa League the better focus for them to get in the Champions League? Uh, um, 
It's probably half and half. I don't think the chances are any better of winning the Europa than they are getting in the top four. They're both relatively remote, but I think there's a chance there. And as I said, you may as well just go for it if you're Jose and at least try and get the fans on your side and play that style of football. Yep. So this week, so Spurs go up to eighth, as I said, and um, and Burnley are in 15th. They could very much be dragged into a relegation battle, but Spurs well, that, have that's Fulham my question on for Friday. You. Gone. That's my that's my question for you. Is Burnley officially in a relegation scrap? We think Newcastle firmly are, and Burnley are only two points above them. I think everyone below Southampton is in a relegation scrap right now, and Southampton are not far off falling into that quicksand as well. As long as Fulham can keep accumulating points, they don't have to like win every game, but they just need to keep accumulating points. Well, they picked um, up points in every of their last five games. Yeah, and that's the sort of form that they need. And then they can just pinch one or two because I think they have enough quality there to, like players like Lookman, Loftus Cheek, etc. There is enough quality there. It's heating up down there, isn't it? It is. And they Fulham play Tottenham this Friday, so that'll be a good test for them just to see if um, Spurs are the real deal again and if Fulham can get out. And who was the other time they were playing? Burnley. Burnley play Leicester City on Thursday and they could be an outside chance because apparently Leicester City have some injury problems. Oh, we'll get to that. But there's one result I want to touch on very quickly, and I don't want to talk about this game in detail. Crystal Palace nil, Fulham nil. My God, this game was boring. What boring. did you think? I've got down here, can we skip this game, question mark. And then I've got, um, did Fulham miss a trick here, um, given they could have found their way out of the um, relegation zone this week, and they were playing a Crystal Palace team without Zaha. So, yeah, I think I've just got here, Fulham missed a trick. But, yeah, boring they game. Did. They did. Crystal Palace didn't even muster a shot on target and only had three shots for the entire game, and this game was awful. So, nil also. Fulham stay in 18th within three points of Newcastle United, and Crystal Palace take a point. They are on 33 points in 13th, just above Southampton, who are on 30 points. So, let's move on. Leicester City 1, Arsenal 3. Has Arteta turned this around? Let's cover this game in two sections. So, we'll cover the first seven minutes. (laughs) In one light, and we'll cover the rest of him here. So, firstly, um, a bit of a mismatch of a team from uh, Brendy to start. He, he started with Vardy and Ian Acha, which I'm not sure he's done um, too often in his time, but um, that's where Leicester are at at the moment in terms of injuries. And then the first goal, so Tillemans picks it up just on the halfway line, just inside um, the touchline, and then just dribbles all the way down and blasts it across um, Leno for the first goal, what is El Nenny doing? What is Pablo Mari doing? And what is David Lewis doing? Does anyone want to close him at any point? When, when you started that with like, what is he doing? I was like, hey, well, it's not just him. It's no one. No one attacked him. Like, it seemed yeah, like El, they were all I waiting for like El Nenny was the one that should have gone initially. And then once he doesn't go, then David Lewis, you're like, do something. Like these inside the 18-yard box at this point. But it wasn't um, as though he had like a heap of support either. So it wasn't as though they had like a big decision to make. It was just someone go out and put a little bit of pressure on him. All three of them went to Vardy in, in the six-yard box. And then, yeah, Tillman's just like, oh, okay, I'll keep going. And, um, I mean, he's not – of the Leicester players there, he's probably the second most likely to, um, to score from that angle too. And sure enough. What a goal. But a good start from Leicester. I, I thought from those, those first um, couple of minutes, they started rather bright. Geez, from there, the match really turned, didn't it? Yes, it did. So um, you were critical of David Luiz earlier, but he popped back up with a nice little header in there, didn't he? Set play. Yeah. So this is interesting, right? So Arsenal have a set play coach, a full-time set play coach. When they get a corner, a free kick or whatever, look over the touchline, the set play coach will hold up a little um, laminated A4 card with a number on it and that's the set play that he's called for and then the players do it. Really? How about that? Yeah. For all their problems, they have a set play coach. There you go. Maybe they get a defensive coach too. All right, so then so it was yeah. a good header. I don't want to take away from David Luiz. It was a well-worked set piece um, and a really enjoyable header. But then controversy strikes. Alexander Lacazette with a penalty. Oh, no, nah, that's a pen. Yeah, it is. It is definitely a pen. Um, but, that's not too controversial. Yeah. No, but Alexander Lacazette tucks it away. He's actually been in the goals, and I thought he was quite unlucky to be dropped um, for Aubameyang in the first place. But I still think he's their top goal scorer this year's season. 
Yeah, and that penalty is certainly going to help. But Arsenal were not done at this point. So, Nicola Pepe even gets in on the act. Could Leicester City defence have done better? Uh, They could have, but Pepe was causing problems right from the start. Um, I mean, he was giving Luke Thomas a a tough time out there. And and Luke Thomas got booked early, which then made his life even more difficult. Um, And then Brendy had to make a change um, just after half time. To bring him off, but yeah, I mean, Pepe was, was man of the match, um, and yeah, he was really causing problems down down that side, and was really exposing Leicester. I think. Yeah, I was I was interested in the Luke Thomas. I know you're going to tell me about how bad injury problems are at Leicester City, but I thought Pepe was outstanding. Um, and Luke Thomas did get booked, but they had to send Ricardo Pereira over to actually go and deal with him. Ricardo Pereira is obviously a very good footballer, and Leicester City missed him a lot, but they had to actually put him out there to go and deal with Pepe because he had a wonderful time, didn't he? Yeah, he was killing it. Um, and as you say, Pereira was he was on the right, and they had to bring him over to the left. Like he was playing right midfield, and we had to bring him over to the left um, back to, to deal with him. But that's just yeah, where Leicester at at the moment, unfortunately, in terms of injury. So all the injuries that they've had, plus Johnny Evans goes down injured, plus Harvey Barnes goes down injured, um, and Harvey's looked rather bad actually. No one around him. He's just sort of strided out for a ball. Um, and they brought the stretcher on for him. So it mm, doesn't look good for Harvey. Oh, no, that hurts too because he was, he was on a real run there, Harvey Barnes. He's an awkward-like player, but he seemed to be getting in the goals. So, look, doesn't look good for Leicester. Arsenal getting it done without Saka gave him a bit of a rest. Getting it done without Bellerin. Aubameyang came off the bench. Um, like, what now for Leicester City? Like, that, that injury, like, I know... Um, everyone's talking about Liverpool's injuries, and Leicester have had some bad injuries, but right now it looks even worse for them. Like, you're starting here, Nacho. You've got problems. Yeah. Well, I think Liverpool obviously have had some bad injuries as well, but I'd, Liverpool have a much bigger squad to be able to deal with injuries, whereas Leicester don't have the depth of the, in their squad to be able to deal with these type of injuries. So, yeah, Harvey going down it isn't great, um, and we're already down to sort of two... Um, centre back. So yeah, I think we might even see uh, the big fella come back in. Big, big Wes Morgan might even come back in next week. So um, you know, we ask the hard questions on this pod, and I'm always the one to lead this. But with Leicester's injuries, Ian Acho in the starting lineup, um, Harvey Barnes out, Jamie Vardy looks short of a goal. Will Leicester City miss out on the top four? I think they will if they continue like this and there's no there's no sort of help coming anytime soon um, either. So like Fafana and, and Justin, for example, they, they were playing all season. They're, they're both gone for the rest of the year is my understanding. So, yeah, I, I think that they'll probably continue to slide and if they hang on to the top four, it'll be a miracle. But if this doesn't tell the owners that they need to invest in a bigger squad after it happened last year and it looks like it's going to happen again this year. Um, I, don't, I think at that point they're just not going to get the, the message. But, yeah, they, they need a bigger squad um, to be able to do it with because their, their first 11 or first 12 um, is good enough to be where they are. The problem is um, as you dive a little bit deeper into their squad, as the games got, start coming thick and fast, which they're coming thick and faster, more so this year than ever before. I think the Leicester get found out, and that, that's their biggest, um, biggest like their weakest link really is just the size size of the squad and the depth of the squad. They just can't cover um, for a full season at that level and of that quality. So um, I happen to know someone who has a substantial amount of money on Leicester to finish highest out of the rest of the Premier League, minus Manchester City and Liverpool. So basically, Leicester to finish third. Um, Cash out if you're listening, Dom. That would be my advice to you. All right, so Leicester stay in third position, one point behind Manchester United, but those injuries are adding up. Arsenal push up into 10th position. So look at them go. Um, Leicester have Burnley on Thursday, which could be tougher than it sounds. Um, Burnley looking to bounce back in Leicester with all the problems. And their opponents, Arsenal, I believe, have the week off. So they just had to focus on the weekend. So let's go to the next one. Newcastle 1, Wolves 1. This one really surprised me. Um, what did you make of it? Oh, geez. Wolves really missed the trick here to beat Newcastle. They uh, were there and are there for the taking uh, without their top goal scorer. Our boy Darlow on the bench. You know, they're ready to be done. And um, Wolves just can't get it done. No. A bit disappointing from Wolves, isn't it? 
Very disappointing display from Wolves. Um, I thought Newcastle. I genuinely thought Newcastle were going to go and win this game about halfway through. Really? Yeah, I think Newcastle were the best, better team in the first half. Almiron hit the post, um, and Saint Maximan had a goal disallowed for offside. They got in front through Lasalles um, with a nice little finish there. Um, but like, there's there is quality in that Wolves team. I think that was the only thing that kept them in it was just that little bit extra quality, and then Ruben Neves got them level. But the biggest stat I want to talk about this game was Adama Traore. So he has now gone 26 games without a goal or an assist. And he didn't look like scoring either. Which is so weird um, that he's got all those attributes where he can just isolate a defender and either bully his way past him or just blow past him with sheer pace and get some sort of quality into the box, how he doesn't have more assists and, and then if he's working hard enough to get himself into the box. I don't think with his attributes, that is just nowhere near good enough. And there must be something there. I can live with the assists, like, because I think he can, like, get people out of position with his pace and stuff like that. So I can live with it. But the goals is what I don't like. Because as you said, I think it's just work rate. Like, he should be so fast. He should be so fast to go on the end of things. And, like, he just isn't. He just doesn't seem to read that at all. Like, there's players with a quarter of his athletic ability that just, can get like Raul Jimenez can get on the end of things quite comfortably, but it just it just doesn't happen for Adama. Yeah, well, I think the the on the other way. See, I think he should be getting more assists, really, because as I said, the, those couple of attributes that he's got, and then all you need to do is deliver some sort of quality inside the box. And if you're delivering sort of eight crosses a game, surely one of you guys um, can get on the end of it, especially if it's got a any sort of element of quality to it. The goals, I think, is a little bit different. Yeah, it's either work rate or I don't think he's getting coached um, correctly to take up certain positions um, when the ball's coming in or get himself in dangerous enough spots. So, mm. But, yeah, disappointing from Wolves. The most damning stat coming out of that that wasn't personally attributable to, to Rory was um, 48% possession to Newcastle, 52 to Wolves. Don't you think that just gives you a real indication of how far Wolves have dropped this season? Yeah, they should have absolutely dominated them. Newcastle, Newcastle, Newcastle hate the ball. ball. Yeah. Newcastle hate the ball. Why? Like, how is that number how, so high? How much of that percentage has gone up due to some maximum dribbling? But there's an, there's eight yeah, percent. There's eight percent in there in a the game. Comfortably, <laughs> he's he's box office. I absolutely love watching him. Um, but yeah, so Newcastle stay seventeenth, but pick up a valuable point. Wolves twelfth. Uh, just underwhelming for me. They actually have only lost – they haven't lost in their last five, but I just have not been – like they just can't seem to get a run going that impresses me. For They're just not the old rules. Like I think, that, you know, how we spoke last year, they sort of had like a continental flavour about them. But, yeah, I just – at the moment, they just don't seem to be like the, the old wolves. So a much better point for Newcastle, like a rather big point for them, um, I think, especially given the context of the fixtures coming up. For them, um, with West Brom on the way and the way that Fulham are breathing down the neck, I think that was a big point for Newcastle. Yep. So Newcastle get a bit of a rest. Um, Wolves also have a bit of a rest. They play Man City tomorrow at seven a.m. All right. So let's move on to the next one then. Leeds United nil, Aston Villa one. Um, this was this was a bit of a surprise, wasn't it? Well, I don't know. Are you surprised by what Leeds do between games? <laughs> You're right. Um, yeah, right. It's just the only thing that was on my mind was that Aston Villa, no Jack Grealish, um, and then Leeds without Calvin Phillips, I thought were very disappointing. Yeah, uh, Leeds were disappointing in this game. Um, as we said, they come up and down. I think one thing that's not spoken about with Leeds is the age of their squad. They're such a young squad, so I think that up and down is not only due to like the, the game style that Bielsa enforces on them, but just their age too. So when they're that young, um, I think they're going to have sort of peaks and troughs within their performances, not sort of to the extent that other teams do where they're sort of going ways, but like week to week because it'll be a little bit sharper when the um, players are that young, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, like a good result for Villa. They've had a tough run of form um, and it looks like they're, they've turned it around and, yeah, to get a good win over. Um, Leeds will put them in good stead. Um, El Ghazi, nice little goal there. Yeah, great shock. It was a bit of an annoying celebration, but I don't want to spend too much time on this one. So, Aston Villa won, Leeds nil, move on. So, next one, again, we can brush, we can brush over this one. West Bromwich Albion won, Brighton nil. Um Good result for West Brom. Keeps them in the hunt. Brighton sucked back into the battle. 
Did you have any highlights for this one or just? Yes. No, I did. I, what about the two penalty misses? Oh, so, what, um, the, what about Ross, the free kick? Fucking hell. I don't, I don't Ross, know. If, I've um, seen enough of it. <laughs> oh, the free kick one. Yeah. So the oh. free kick is, um, can I take it early? Yes, you can. He blows the whistle, take it early. Then he blows it again before um, Brighton score. Um, and then, yeah, it gets called back, goes to VAR and they have to retake it or something. So, oh. yeah, the whole weird communication then, where, which Dunk made a good point. Dunk was saying that, um, like, why is it going to VAR? Because the referee told me I could take it early. So how would VAR ever know that? Um, <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, a missed penalty from um, Gross and then um, – then Brian got another penalty and, um, you know, former Manchester United legend or reject, who knows, Danny Welbeck took it and then hits a post. The ball comes back to him. Danny tries to hit this volley. He looks unco as all hell and it sort of like crashes into his shins. Um, and then, of course, that's a that's an indirect because you can't touch it off the post. So, yeah, w- between the free kick and the two missed pens, I think Big Sam was rather lucky. Yeah, definitely, but he will he will take those three points and he'll eat them up. Um, but, so yeah, so they stay 19th but are in the fight. Brighton, 16th, getting dragged in. So let's move on to what could have been a humdinger. Um, had a goal from Mikel Antonio, which surprised none of us on the pod. Manchester City, 2, West Ham United, 1. What did you think? Just, I, I predicted this. I thought that um, obviously West Ham were in a hell of a run of form, but I thought they were going to run into a Man City that was just levels um, above them. And I think West Ham were going to realise that. And, and yeah, sure enough, they did. So interestingly, um, Pep the ball fraud brought um, Kevin De Bruyne back, uh, which I thought was, um, I don't know, maybe a little bit unnecessary considering how they were playing. But yeah, what a ball in for Stones' goal. And oh, it was Diaz's goal, actually. Mm. Um, and then Stones gets the second one um, in between um, Antonio's goal as well. Interesting stat here. Ready? This will blow your mind. Stones and Diaz have scored more goals this year than they've conceded. That does blow my mind. That's, that's fairly impressive, isn't it? <laughs> Fucking impressive. I had a real problem with John Stones too before this. Um, But look, I I thought West Ham, like, they actually weren't that bad. I don't think they were blown off the park like City have blown other teams off the park. Um, They had some chances. Obviously, Antonio scored um, again, might add. But, like, they they put up a pretty good showing for a team that, like, for first versus fourth, like, they weren't blown away by Manchester City and they were still creating chances. You can see they've got a, a bunch of players in that team who were, like, willing to roll up their sleeves, like Declan Rice, Jesse Lingard, um, Aaron Creswell to an extent, obviously Suchek, yeah. But like, they, I feel like they all had, like, okay games. Do you know what I mean? Like, against a team that's not Manchester City, they would have won that game. Yeah, I've got down here that they are brave and they put up a good fight, but I just think that, as I mentioned before, the, the levels above... Um, Man City operating at the moment was too much. Yeah, but good to see Antonio on the scorers again. If he's fit, they're always a chance, aren't they? Mm-hmm. All right. So, so Man City stay top, 12 points clear of their rivals. Easy, yeah. getting it done. <laughs> West Ham stay fourth. Results sort of suited West Ham, didn't they, with the Chelsea draw and the, the Leicester loss. Yeah. So, yeah, best best case scenario for them, I think. With Leicester's injuries, can West Ham hold on to be stay to stay stop top four at the end of the season? I think so. I think they'll at some point they'll probably jump over Leicester if things go the way they're going. The big question is what Chelsea and Liverpool do for the top four. I think. Mm, well, it will depend. All right, so let's get into the next round of fixtures. It's a perfect segue. Manchester City versus Wolves. Is this the end of City's run? No, uh-huh. it's not. You're going to see more of the same. I think Pep will have a couple of changes um, in his team because they just played just um, not so long ago. Um, Laporte may even come in for one of the centre-backs. But, yeah, I think we're just going to see more of the same from City. I think Wolves are a little bit underwhelming against Newcastle. And if they can't do it against Newcastle, they have no chance of doing it against Man City. So Man City for me. Yeah, I think we can fairly confidently say Man City. But Wolves are the type of team that can pull an upset out of nowhere, can't they? Ah, uh, just not this big upset, I don't think. I think Man City are paying like a dollar nine, so yeah, Man City for me. All right, so if Manchester City can remain unbeaten, they will set a club record of twenty-eight games unbeaten. 
So wow. Yeah, pretty crazy stat. Manchester City also haven't lost any of their last 37 Premier League home games when it's been midweek. So it's not looking good for Wolves. So <laughs> you got you got Man City. I've got Man City by a few. All right. Pretty disappointing. But so moving on, Burnley versus Leicester City. I'm going to go out in a limb here, and I'm going to tip Burnley to win this one. No, I'm, it's tough without seeing the teams and what if Madison's back. I think he was close to playing last week, so hopefully this game's you know further enough away for him to get up for. And especially with Barnes going down, there is obviously a spot for him to step straight into. So yeah, I I think if Madison's in the team, I think Leicester. Um, otherwise, I think I'm probably going to draw. Yeah, I'm thinking similar vein. I think if Ian Acho starts, I'm going for Burnley. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I, it's it's probably what Leicester need. Leicester need to play Burnley right now and hopefully they can get a win and be good for their confidence. Um, but, yeah, I think it really depends on the team sheet and who's fit for Leicester at the moment. So Burnley have won three of their last four home games against Leicester City, if that helps you at all. It, it doesn't help me at all. It rather hurts. West Ham yeah. within a point by the end of the week. All right, so I'm going Burnley. You're going Leicester. So next one, Sheffield United versus Aston Villa. It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? I think Aston Villa um, showed a bit in their last fixture against Leeds, picked up a clean sheet. Jack might be back for this one, which will be nice. And obviously, they're playing the league punching bags. <laughs> Gone it's, not very, it's not very nice. Um, so I don't know if is Jack definitely back. Is, that's the oh, main no, thing. Definitely. Yeah. No, if Jack can get back in, I think they'll be fine. Um, but yeah, shouldn't be too many problems against Sheffield United. You think that? And a win here actually could um, bring them above Spurs and just a point behind Everton. So it could be a big game for Aston Villa here. And what does that do for um, Sheffield United's chances? Uh, Sheffield United lost here, leaves them on 11 points and has that Derby County record <laughs> firmly in their sights. A win keeps them in 20th. A draw also keeps them in 20th. Uh, <laughs> all right, so next one, Crystal Palace versus a very uninspired Manchester United. Who do you like in this one? The Wolf Zaha Derby. <laughs> Is that what we're calling it? Um, no, I think man, you will get it done. I think... If Palace do get something out of this game, um, it'll be very, very low scoring. But they've just been trash recently. So, yeah, I don't think you can go past Manchester United at the moment. So, I'm probably going Manchester United. But apparently, Zaha's back. So, we'll see. Yeah, I think Manchester United win this with a penalty. All right. So, next one. Friday morning, which is always nice. West Bromwich Albion versus Everton. So West Brom got to start winning games if they want to stay up. And Everton, if they want to make Champions League, they need to start putting some wins together. Who do you like in this one? Uh, I think this one's pretty straightforward. I think Everton will get it done. It's away from home for Everton, which is good um, considering their uh, run of form at, um, being at home. So, yeah, I think this being away will suit them. And I've got Everton, and I think it might be a rather easy win too. So if there's trouble in the dugout, who wins? Duncan Ferguson or Sam Allardyce? Oh, you think Dunk's stepping in to take my Vicarlo? I think Dunk's starting it, to be honest. I think if it's if it's Dunk versus Big Sam, I'm obviously going Dunk. If it's Big Sam versus Carlo, I'm going with Big Sam. Yeah, okay, so we've got a clear hierarchy there. Good call. All right, so I'm going to go with Everton in this one as well. Um, I think, again, they'll just be too good for West Brom. They haven't been great lately, Everton, but I just don't think West Brom are at their level. So... Friday morning, absolute humdinger to bring in the weekend. Liverpool versus Chelsea. Who do you like in this one, and why are Chelsea going to win? Oh, shit. I'm going to draw in this one because I am going to sit on the fence. It's just too hard to pick with both teams. What, what are you thinking? Uh, I think I think there was enough in the week for Chelsea to get a bit of belief out of the Manchester United result because I think they created chances without having like a great threat. So I think that's going to give them a bit of encouragement to go at Liverpool again this week. Um, that defence is looking much more solid under sure. Tuchel than it was under um, Dirty Frank. So I think Chelsea are going to win this one. Um, Thomas Tuchel can become only the third Chelsea manager in history um, to start his tenure with a 10-match unbeaten run. It's a hell of a streak. Mm. If it wasn't for Man City, they'd be the form team of the competition. Yeah, you'd think so. I, well, they're running hot at the moment. So, oh, no, I'm still going to tip a draw. Still going to tip a draw. All right, Score so a draw. Yeah, so Liverpool beating Sheffield United was enough for you to believe that they've turned this around? You know it. 
Yeah, that is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but, but look, we can we can revert back. So we're split on this one. Um, I wish Roger was here to split it for us. But last fixture, Fulham versus Tottenham. So this is also Friday morning, but this is actually a different match day. The other one's a match day 29. This one is match day 33. So we've got Fulham versus Tottenham. Who do you like in this one? London Derby. It's pretty juicy. It is. I think we're going with Spurs, given their um, run of form in the last two fixtures in all competitions. <laughs> um, little caveat there. It's hardly a run of form. That's a run of form, mate. Don't worry about that. All right. Um, that's a run of form. And also, I'm going Spurs, and I really, really want Jose to play the big three. Um, all of them to start would be great. Jose has never lost four consecutive away matches in his managerial career. Fulham could do that. Harry Kane has scored in every single game he's ever played against Fulham. <laughs> what? That can't Harry be Kane right. has scored in every single game he's ever played against Fulham or four matches. Oh, shit. Still, that's a hell of a stat. Um, all right. I am actually going to go against the grain here. I'm going to tip Mighty Fulham here. So Fulham oh. undefeated in their last five. Spurs beat Burnley but got ahead early. I don't think Spurs are tough enough for this fixture. Fulham are on a roll. Tough um, enough for Fulham. Go on, mate. They've got Fulham. Fulham are building towards something, and Spurs have got a weak underbelly, um, a weak core, if you will, much like their fans that I know. So I think that Fulham are going to win this one. Bit of an upset. Yeah, right. Bit of a shot at Barney there, unnecessarily. Ah, he's not here to defend himself. All right, so um, so let's touch on quickly Roger's multi. So just just run us through what Roger predicted would happen this week. Yeah, so Roger's gone for a Man City win, tick. Yep. A Liverpool win, tick. Everton win, tick. A Leicester win. <laughs> no, sorry, go on. Man, you know to win. Um, so, yeah, I think, what do you think of his uh, multi? Oh, no good. No bloody good. Um, so, yeah, no, nah, three out of five. Has he, he chucked too many legs on? Is that his problem? I think the Manchester United one was, was it was a value add, but it was a bit of a smoky. And Leicester City, just they're gone. Hopefully he includes Burnley Leicester City in his multi this week. Um, yeah, I'd say take a leg off and throw an exotic in there. Yeah, get a goal scorer in there. I think maybe Harry Kane against Fulham. Who knows? Um, all right, so hopefully Roger's going to have something for us by Friday. But look, if you want to get in touch with the show, it's footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com. Uh, Instagram is footballplayedonpaper. Facebook, footballplayedonpaper. And Twitter is at footballonpods. All right, very good. Enjoy the football. See ya. All the best.